Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and and the comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today in our hearing, the words of the prophet sound out through the darkness. They sound out into the darkness, telling us this simple yet profound call to action. Turn and live. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. For the prophet Ezekiel, indeed, like all the prophets of old, their job was to tell the truth. The prophet was the mouthpiece of God. And God is the God of truth. And as as God's mouthpiece, their job was to proclaim truth. For we are not people of lies, but rather we speak the truth. And today in our Old Testament reading, we hear the truth. Why will you die, O house of Israel, is the begging question of the Lord our God. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Repent. Turn, cast away your transgressions. Turn to me. Turn to me from yourself, from your sin, from your transgressions unto me. For I desire not the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. The prophet calls out into the darkness, declaring the truth. For truly, he says, the soul who sins will die. The soul who sins will die. And this is no mystery to us. For in the very first pages of the Bible, we read of God's good creation marred and ruined by sin. God created all that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and called it good. God created all things and called them good. And yet the deceiver, the Satan, the serpent of old, comes in and says, it is not good. What God has commanded you not to eat, did he really say not to eat? For in the place of truth... The liar, the one who has been lying from the beginning, deceives mankind into believing a lie. And the lie is this, that God is not the God of truth. Rather, he hides from us. He hides something from us. He tells us, have truths, indeed, maybe even lies. You will not surely die, says the deceiver. You will not surely die, but you will be like God himself. Decide for yourself whether or not you will believe 
God or believe in me. Mankind, Adam and Eve, our forefathers in the flesh, choose the lie. They choose to believe the liar. They choose to believe the deceiver and thus are punished by death. For God said, you shall surely die. This is true. For disobedience, for transgression against what God has commanded means nothing less than death. Separation from God himself. Separation from our creator. Creation at odds with its creator. And by a faithful act of the will, sin entered this good world. And humankind's nature has been corrupted. Become sick. Become so marred that the only word fitting for it is dead. In the words of the 39 articles, this will is always inclined to do evil. This is no neutral will no longer. For through the choice of our forefathers, Adam and Eve, our will has been corrupted by sin. For there is nothing that's accord with human nature that has not been touched by their rebellion, by their transgression. And thus, the word of God is true. You shall surely die. Paul puts it this way, that we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. This is the truth. We are not people of the lie. We look at the corruption. We look at the sin of our forefathers, Adam and Eve, but not only their sins, not only the sins of the fathers, but our own sin, our own failures, the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone, the things that we have done out of hatred for God and neighbor rather than out of love. This is the truth. This is the truth that we look straight in the eye. And John puts it this way. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. For to deny our fallen nature, to deny that there's something deeply wrong with us, is to lie. It's to teach a lie. It's to look at what is very obvious, not only in the world, but also in our own lives, and to say, it is not so. It's to deceive ourselves, John says, because the truth is not in us. But brothers and sisters, we are not people of the lie. We are not children of the deceiver. Rather, we are children of the truth. We are children of God. And so we look at our current predicament straight in the eye and tell the truth. We say with the words of the prophet, the soul of the man who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall surely die. For this is the truth. And we experience it to this day. We experience it in our daily lives, not only with the death of those who surround us, but also the death that surrounds our culture, the death that surrounds our people, the death that surrounds our nation. 
Death seems to be lingering in every nook and cranny. And we are the ones to blame. For each of us, not only Adam and Eve, but each one of us acts in according to our corrupted nature. And that is, we are sinners. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And so we hear the word of God to us sinners. The yes, the soul who sins shall die. But also that the Lord, God, our creator, has no pleasure in the death of anyone. So turn and live. This is the beckon call to life. This is the one who gave us life, who breathed into the nostrils of Adam, our forefather, and has created us in his image. He calls us turn and live. For I desire not the death of anyone, says the Lord God. So turn and live. But the tragedy is that along with our mind and our heart, our will also has been corrupted by sin. As I quoted earlier from the 39 articles, we always incline to do evil. It's not that everything we do is evil 100%, but we all lean towards it because of the corruption of our nature. And this is not something we try to hide. This is not something that we deceive others with. Rather, we tell the truth. If we say we have no sin, says John, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth is that we cannot work our way back to God. If we could, perhaps somebody might have done it in the past, or maybe one of us would be on our way to do it. But because our will is broken, our want to her is broken and bent towards the wrong rather than the right. It's bent towards the lie rather than the truth. We cannot work our way back to God. And so the call to turn and live meets an unwilling will. It meets a heart set on pleasing itself, a disordered affection. It meets a will who acts in according with that broken heart and a mind that justifies both. For because of our corrupted nature, we love to justify ourselves. We love to seek to justify ourselves with the fig leaves as our Fathers, father and mother, Adam and Eve, did long ago. It's silly when we read this that they thought they would hide before the face of Almighty God by sowing fig leaves and hiding. Yet we do it all the time. We pray at the beginning of our service that we serve a God unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secret is hid. We serve a God who is Lord of all, who is Lord not only of his created things, but also of our hearts. He's the Lord of who we are, who he's created us to be. We are still made in his image, yet are in rebellion to him. And this is true. This is true that we are deeply marred 
by the mark of sin. So deeply so that we cannot turn ourselves, but rather must be turned by Almighty God. For Jesus' first words in his ministry, according to St. Mark, are these. Repent and believe in the gospel. For we are people who turn. We are people of repentance. Every day in the daily office, every Sunday at our celebration of Holy Communion, we confess our sins before Almighty God. We confess our sins because we do not believe the lie, but rather believe the truth that we are people in need. We are people who need desperately to be turned back to Almighty God. And so we hear the word, turn and live. We hear the words that St. John said that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But the rest of the verse says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For at the root of the problem is that we cannot turn ourselves back to God. We cannot work our way back to God. No matter how ashamed we are, we cannot uh, sow fig leaves big enough to hide our sin from God. God sees straight to the heart of the problem and responds in love. He sees who we are, for he knows whereof we are made. He knows that we're but dust. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. And this idea of turning, of repentance, of turning back to God, our creator, believing in him and what he said about us. This is the whole of the Christian life. Martin Luther, in his first thesis of the 95 theses, says this, that when our Lord and teacher Jesus Christ said, repent, he meant that the entire life of a believer is a life of repentance. Repentance is not a one and done act, but rather, as we are still in this world, it is a life of repentance. It is a life where daily we must hear the word of God saying to us, turn and live and respond in faith. For it's only by faith that we are accounted righteous before God. It's not in feeling so sorry for ourselves, but rather realizing that God has shown his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's realizing that one is righteous by trusting in the righteous one, the one who suffered on behalf of sinners, the one who suffered death and was buried and was raised to life on the third day for us. For our whole of the, the whole of the Christian life is summarized in the word repentance. We turn from our own thoughts to our own ways. We turn from the lie to the truth that, yes, we are still sinners, but that Christ died for sinners. We believe and are thus righteous. For the law says, do this, and it's never done. 
But grace says, believe this, and it is already done. The law says, do this, and it is never done. But grace says, believe this, and it is already done. And this is what Paul is trying to get at in our epistle reading. For he accounts the humiliation and exaltation of our Lord Jesus Christ and says that all the benefits are found in Christ. All the benefits of this life and the life to come, the hope of glory, the forgiveness of sins, are found in Christ. And how do we become a part of Christ? It's by believing that he loves us. He loved us so much that he died on the cross for our sins. For he became like us in every respect, sin only except. Christ was without sin and therefore the perfect atonement for our sins. He died the death that we all deserved so that we might have life and have it abundantly. When the prophet Ezekiel says, turn and live, he's pointing, as John the Baptist did, to life itself. For Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone comes to me, though he die, yet shall he live. For it's the Lord, Jesus Christ, who took on flesh and dwelt among us and took on flesh to die on the cross on our behalf. And the one who was resurrected on the third day and is exalted at the right hand of the, God, uh, of the Father. This is the one who calls us brother. This is the one who calls us friend. This is the one who gives us the right of adoption as sons and daughters of the Most High. For although we have rebelled against God through our sin, through our rebellion, through our belief of the lie, truth himself became flesh and dwelt among us and died the death we all deserve so that we might have life and have it abundantly. And it seems to me that the worst sin of all, if we can categorize them at all, is the sin of pride. The sin of pride is a sin of self-righteousness. It's the sin of the older brother. It's the sin who, rather than the prodigal son, realizes his sin and turns to the father and says that he is no more worthy to be called his son and accepts the grace that is extended to him, the older brother responds with indignation towards the kindness of the Father. He is self-righteous. He has believed the lie that in some way, by living some sort of life, he is righteous before God, that somehow he deserves more than other sinners. He does not see the truth. He has believed the lie. And this sin of self-righteousness blinds the older brother, as I'm afraid that it blinds some of us to the grace that is extended by the Father to come and eat at his table. For on the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Whenever you drink it, whatever you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. For what I'm about to do, what I will do on the cross is for you. You need it. 
Don't believe the lie that you are not a sinner. You need the cross just as much as the one to your left and to your right. We need to be turned. We need to be turned back to God, for we have rebelled against him, both by being a part of the human race, but also through our own actions and thoughts. But God has extended his mercy through Christ that in him, in baptism, we have all the benefits of Christ for us. We believe and are therefore accounted righteous before God. Love bids us welcome. And so let us hear the the bidding call of a loving God who desires not the death of sinners, but that they may turn from their wickedness and live. Turn to the one who had no wickedness in him. Turn to the righteous one. Turn to him in faith and believe. Renew your faith daily. Turn to him daily. Hear the gospel afresh. Remember your baptism. For you are a bigger sinner than you may realize. Remember your baptism daily. Renew your faith in the living God. Because he has died. And he has risen again. Risen. And he will come again. This is the mystery of our faith. This is the confession that we hold to. And we find in it life. So, if you've trusted Christ, if you've been baptized into him, renew your faith today. Remember your baptism. Perhaps as you walk by the font going out, cross yourself, remembering your baptism, remembering the waters by which you have been saved, because you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are not your own for someone died on your behalf. And so turn to him again today. And if you haven't trusted in him, I pray that you turn to him today. Turn to the one who loved you so much that he died upon the cross for your sins and was raised to life for your justification and is seated at the right hand of the father, interceding for us to God the father. Return to your baptism today, beloved. Renew your faith, confess your sin, and understand that you have done none of yourself. For we trust in the Lord. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For we love because he first loved us. All that we are is found in Christ. All that we are is found in him who is crucified on our behalf. So, brothers and sisters, turn and live. Let us pray.